The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On today's bumper episode, salutations in Salzburg, Graham Potter's weekend reunion, a great win in the UWCL, an ignominious exit from the Youth League and a first time ever contest in the quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, it's straight out of Cobham. Right, gang, we've got two wins, 10 goals, one thumping and a reunion to address. So we've got to move today. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined by the Chelsea Academy graduate, Sam Parkin. How are you doing, Sam? Very well, Matt. Good to see you. Mm, likewise. Uh, and also with us again today, one of the finest, most cerebral writers on women's football, men's football and anything else in between. It's Jesse Parker Humphreys. How are you doing, Jesse? Wow, what an introduction. A great way to start my Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm just buttering you up ahead of the quiz, which you are not going to enjoy uh, later. Um, we've got plenty to talk about before then, though, and we're going to start with Tuesday night in Austria. Another chance for him, maybe Kovacic. Oh, wow. How about that? With his left foot, improvises, roof of the net, 1-0 Chelsea. Nice so far, Havertz. Oh, that is brilliant. That is just brilliant from Kai Havertz. Lovely goal. Chelsea back in front. Delighted. Uh, fantastic performance, I thought, from the players. Showed real courage here because, uh, you know, the atmosphere, the, the way they're so intense, they're putting in a lot of pressure, but we thought we controlled it quite well and attacked well, created some chances. A bit disappointing to only be 1-0 at half-time. Um, one mistake or one action from them, which can happen at this level, uh, but then we responded really well and... Um, Great goal from Kai, and I think overall we deserve to go through. So Chelsea through to the knockout stages of the Champions League as group winners, no less, following Tuesday's 2-1 win in Austria against RB Salzburg. Liam Toomey was there for the Athletic. He sent us this voice note. So despite Salzburg's attempts to give them an old-fashioned pounding in the last 20 minutes, Chelsea are through to the Champions League knockout stage, and they did it in some style at the Red Bull Arena, I think you have to say. Graham Potter and his Chelsea players just in front of me saluting the away fans who gave a great roar at the final whistle. They certainly enjoyed themselves. They witnessed two fantastic goals, one in the first half from Mateo Kovacic. The ball kind of just fell to him in the penalty area after good work from Christian Pulisic and a little bit of dithering from Kai Havertz. No such dithering from Havertz in the second half. Uh, when Pulisic found him on the edge of the box. A brilliant curling shot in off the underside of the bar. I always feel like shots like that should count double. But anyway, uh, and not just because it's Havertz. The weird thing was that Chelsea's goals didn't actually come from their best stretches of football. I think for the final 15 to 20 minutes of the first half, probably some of the best, slickest attacking combinations we've seen since Graham Potter was appointed. Really good movement particularly from that left side, combinations between Sterling, Havertz, Aubameyang, Kovacic. It was fluid, it was one touch. Salzburg didn't really know what to do with it. And it was only, you can guess, the finishing touch that let Chelsea down. It was stung early in the second half. Again, with Thiago Silva missing a tackle as he did at Stamford Bridge. And again, Salzburg finishing it really clinically. Brilliant cross, great, great finish from uh, Junior Adamu. But I think Chelsea deserve to win this game. And, and if you said to Potter when he came in that they would qualify for the round of 16 with a match to spare being where they were after the first two games of this group, 
think he would have been absolutely delighted with that. And just as importantly for Chelsea, I think no fresh injuries tonight. Uh, they were able to bring off Mateo Kovacic, who of course is managing a knee issue a little bit early. And they now have the luxury of knowing that that match against Dinamo Zagreb at home is a complete dead rubber. You can field your, your League Cup team, as it were, and maybe field a stronger team in the League Cup against Manchester City as a result. We'll see. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Chelsea are through uh, and with not too much drama in the end. As Liam says there, Jesse, this is not what we were expecting after match day two when Chelsea had one point. This was maybe one of the best performances under Graham Potter, certainly for large parts that the football was, was a joy to watch. Yeah, I think definitely some of the attacking play was something we haven't seen Chelsea do for a very long time in terms of the speed, the verticality, the ability to move the ball into the box. And, you know, barring a pretty impressive goalkeeping performance from the the Salzburg keeper, I think, you know, this one could have been wrapped up by half time, really. And like you said, to have come away from the first two games against two of the weaker teams in the group in inverted commas with, with just one point and then to be here topping the group with one game to go is a pretty good turnaround I think you know we've also obviously benefited from those teams managing to take points off each other which always helps in these kind of things but yeah three wins from three for Potter in the Champions League not a bad not a bad way to make your entrance to the competition is it <laughs> uh, Sam was this the night you became a fully fledged pothead as in you <laughs> like Graham well, Potter's style of football not soft drugs <laughs> definitely a few people just continuing to grow on me, like Kovacic, the last year. I love that man at the moment. I mean, he's just so good, so fluid. Um, his game understanding, amazing. I mean, the formation's still hurting my head a little bit, to be completely <laughs> frank. Um, the wide players, oh, well, I'll get to them in a minute. I mean, it was a back three, I know that much. But it did look like a midfield diamond because that's as alone, if, if you like, as isolated as Jorginho has probably been in midfield in terms of where he's, his starting position was very, very deep. Then you had Gallagher and Kovacic and Havertz wasn't playing up front, was he? I mean, he was playing kind of off the front. So you could say that was a midfield diamond. And I thought they were a bit like a Christmas tree, which I just wanted to get in this morning. Um, mm -hmm. Salzburg shape. So I think the the obviously the job of the wire players, they got up and down, didn't they? Pulisic and, and Sterling, they weren't, you know, back in particularly deep defensive positions, but they did get up and down the flanks. There was a bit of um, switching over at times. I think the 10th minute he switched the, the pair of them over, but I think that was to to probably counteract um, Salzburg's shape and make sure their fullbacks didn't get any joy. And I thought that really worked. Um, so it was an interesting setup. Um, tactically, I think he won that battle and some of the football as Jesse said in the first half, was was beautiful. That move that ended in the Aubameyang chance was just poetry. I thought that came from Sterling being central, so him kind of coming in off the, the flank and the the little bit of manipulation of the ball from Chalaba early in that move. Chalaba and Jorginho, I think it was, who exchanged passes under so much pressure, just shows you the level of his performance right now, uh, the bravery on the ball. And um, that was a brilliant move and... You knew it was going to go to 1-1, didn't you, when all those chances went begging in the first half? <laughs> um, Jesse, which was your favourite of the goals? And was that shot of uh, Mount and Potter on the touchline after the Havertz goal the cutest thing that's happened to Chelsea in 2022? Or awkward. 
It's never awkward. It, it's never well, fun. It's adorable. With the ma- it's never fun with the manager. Let, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, the a, a bit of sweat from Mason there, I reckon. Wow, you've really burst my bubble there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was. I thought it was very cute before I've been Possibly. told okay. that I'll I shouldn't have found it. <laughs> I'll backtrack. Yeah, it's cute. Um, I think I preferred Kai's goal just because it felt like it had more purpose to it. Which isn't to say that Kovacic's wasn't uh, great, but I think it's just the way he kind of sticks out his his leg. <laughs> and something about when you watch it back, that you're like, "Wow, this is like an amazing technique." But if it doesn't feel as I think impressive, and yeah, the, the second one that Kai scored a bit like that because obviously the Germany the Germany goal against England had the had a similar kind of uh, narrative to it. And I think for Havertz as well, it just felt like maybe that extra step forward in gaining a bit more confidence again and starting to maybe feel like he's getting a better understanding of where he is and where he fits in with this team because, you know, we all know he's got that kind of ability and we haven't really seen it enough. But I think when you think about what he's had to deal with in terms of where he plays, how he's moved around, who he's playing with, and, you know, even though Potter's rotated to this team quite a lot, I think there is a sense of players being quite aware of what their roles are. And I think kind of that goal maybe encapsulated the progress Habits has managed to make under Potter. Uh, you've earned that fiver that Liam Toomey's given you to um, <laughs> big up Habits there, Jesse, no doubt about that. Uh, no, he was good. It was a great goal. But outstanding, I thought, Sam, was Conor Gallagher. You touched on him briefly. I mean, this is his first start in the Champions League, it's worth remembering. And, and this is a player who, for me, is kind of emblematic of the turnaround under Graham Potter because that... Red card against Leicester, you thought, oh dear, is this going to work for him under Thomas Tuchel? But he's proving that he can be an important player for Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. From the, from the first minute, really, he was so heavily involved. He played a lovely passing for Bamiang, a little cute ball. There was quite a lot of pace on it, but Bamiang could have taken it you know, under his spell and got a finish away. So I thought that kind of set the tone. Obviously, you know you're going to get the tenacity already spoken about the shape, which probably suited him to have a little bit more of a, a forward roaming role where he wasn't, you know, so um, fixated on being one of the double pivots. So that probably played into uh, his hands. Yeah, I thought he was really good. He's he's looking comfortable. He's one of the players like Pulisic, who I would imagine has been in with the manager uh, or the staff and been given some confidence with the trust that they're putting in him. That's what it looks like to me. Um, but it's up to him going out there and and taking those opportunities. So I couldn't be more delighted because I loved watching him last season at Palace and you you, you hoped that he was going to make that transition into Chelsea's first team. And he, he's done himself no harm. And, you know, they're speaking about potentially getting in the England squad with about 100 people going to be in the provisional squad. So he should be in that. Chalaba should be in that. And they could be... They could be dark horses to um, to make it to Qatar. Yeah, he might be who's left standing uh, by the time we get to the World Cup, the way that it is looking. Yeah. Um, worth remembering, Salzburg were 40 games unbeaten at home in all competitions before this match. It's so useful, Jesse, isn't it? Now, now that we know that the group is won as well because of what happened in the other game, I mean, even Dennis Zakaria is going to get a go against Zagreb next week, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know at this rate. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, it, you know, when you have such a crazy and I've had such a crazy schedule right over this past month and leading into the World Cup to be able to have effectively a free game 
I think is really, really useful, especially because of the context of Potter still learning about the squad, learning how he wants players to play, wanting to try out new things. Um, you know, I think like Sam's kind of touched on, I think this midfield at the moment really does suit the players who are in it. I think it suits Gallagher. I think it suits Kovacic. But equally, there were elements to that formation that felt very open at times. Now, I don't think Zagreb's going to be the game where Potter, like, sorts all that out. But there's clearly still tweaks and and things that do need to be figured about out about this team moving forward. And I think to have that opportunity, whether it's to try different tactics, formations, give players more minutes it's just useful when you've got like that kind of no pressure opportunity yeah so that game against Zagreb comes on Wednesday of next week uh, but there's another match in between now and then next up we're previewing the weekend's big feature it's Graham Potter and the Angry Seagulls this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Uh, it's not gone brilliantly for Brighton since Graham Potter left, has it? His replacement, Roberto De Zerbi, will look to record his first win as Seagull's successor when Chelsea arrive at the Amex on Saturday. Um, Sam, is this the easiest game that, that Potter and his staff will have to, to prepare all season or, or does the kind of familiarity mean that it's going to be more difficult in a way? Surely not. It's going to be easy, right? Uh, yeah, you would you would think so because no matter what Brighton throw at it or what kind of permutations they, they come up with in terms of the, the personnel, they'll, they'll know them in, inside out. So, yeah, you would expect them to be well prepared for it I'm sure Graham Potter will be prepared for the inflatable snakes which I believe are being purchased <laughs> around the south coast as we speak uh, I was speaking to a Brighton fan yesterday they can remain anonymous but um, yeah I think they're going to go for it um, and give him pelters which you would you would expect but there'll be that understanding I'm sure that there wasn't much of a decision to be made when Chelsea came calling but it would seem a good time to play them wouldn't they they're not full of goals. Uh, got the three, obviously, at, at Liverpool early in the, the new guy's tenure, but I, I'm not seeing uh, where they're going to cause Chelsea maybe the problems that they have done previously. And I know they've been a difficult nut to crack. Three draws, I think, the last three. So there's been some tough games, but that was with Graham Potter at the helm. So on the back of, I would say, the best away performance of the season, I don't think that's um, questionable. Maybe Tottenham at home, Wolves at home for, for spells, but you know, that was very, very good, I thought, in the in the first half, certainly the latter periods of the first half. So they'll go there full of confidence. Um, <laughs> this could be the most interesting shape and formation that we'll see of the season because, like, like we've just touched on, he knows their players. He probably knows their weaknesses. He knows how they can be exploited. So expect something fruity. I'm not sure snakes are the correct representation in the animal kingdom for leaving one job to go to another, um, but I can't think of what might be so a migratory bird 
Perfect. Against the Seagulls. Love it, Jesse. That is absolutely magnificent. Um, there you go. Any Brighton fans listening, maybe see if you can get some inflatable migratory birds before Saturday. Um, might Deserby have a little insight as well, Jesse, into how Chelsea are going to play? He said it, it might be easy for Potter to, to set up against Brighton, but I guess there'll be some inside knowledge about how Potter's going to play that you might not get from other teams. Yeah, I guess so. Although, you know, I do think the difficulty you have going from Brighton to Chelsea and then looking at that insight that the club might have is is that obviously the, the players are still vastly different in quality, right? But I do think that for all of the Brighton's results under Zerbi haven't been amazing, that the way they've played has been better than they look. I think even if you look at the City game and the way they were able to kind of suffocate City in midfield and force them to be playing long balls up to Erling Haaland. The thing is, obviously, that Erling Haaland's a very good player to, to force long balls up to. But, you know, what that City's three goals are, the the long ball to Haaland, a penalty, and then a Kevin De Bruyne, like, wonder shot. So I do think Chelsea will have to be on their toes. And I don't think that's going to be something where you're going to get a lot of easy opportunities. I think that's something why the goals against Salzburg were so pleasing because I do feel like you know when Chelsea have been struggling to score there's not been enough of players being able to be on the edge of the box and kind of use their quality there and to be able to score kind of two long-range efforts I think was was a real you know demonstration of being able to score different types of goals and I think that's something that you know City showed that they did really well in that Brighton game to be able to unlock them and I think that's something that Chelsea are going to have to look to do on on Saturday too. Um, just an update from the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. Uh, migratory birds could have field fairs, red wings, bramblings, buicks and whooper swans. Uh, many kind of ducks, geese and wading birds as well. Probably swans the easiest to get. Inflatable ones um, of those. So yeah, Brighton might be a tough nut to crack. They got a, a brave point in their last home game against Nottingham Forest. It's a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday for that one. We'll react to it in Monday's pod. Next today, though, a whopping win for the women. Perisay chipped ball from her, punched out. This could be a chance to play it back in again. Oh, and it rolls all the way in. And that's an eighth for Chelsea. Chelsea beat Vlasnia 8-0 in the Champions League at Kings Meadow on Wednesday night. Sam Kerr got four. Penilla Harder's never had it easier. She got a hat-trick. And Katarina Svitkova got her first Blues goal with Armando Breuer watching on against his fellow Albanians. Um, Jesse, that was a, a tough opening nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good win. Obviously, it was a game that Chelsea were expected to win, but... You know, Real Madrid only beat them 2-0 last week. So that was away. But, you know, so therefore we're we're six goals better than Real Madrid, I think we can say. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they're the minnows of the group. And I think it's kind of fantastic Champions League group for them because you get to go and play Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid and Chelsea. But also you're almost certainly going to end up with zero points. But I think from a Chelsea perspective, this was a game that was kind of a long time coming because we've played teams who aren't very good this season already and we've also not looked very good it's almost like we've kind of gone down to their level and in terms of Kerr getting her goals there was a little backflip and everything just it just felt like a game where the pressure kind of went off 
some of these players. Um, shout out to Go Wrighton as well, 100th appearance and four assists. So not a bad way to, to mark that. And she just absolutely had the run of them down down the left wing for the whole game. So yeah, um, PSG and Real Madrid drew nil-nil as well, which was a good result for us, I think. So yeah, all in all, a very enjoyable evening, really. Yeah, that draw between PSG and Real Madrid means Chelsea top of Group A, two points clear of Madrid, who they face next in the competition. That's at Kings Meadow on the 23rd of next month. Uh, Sam, you were telling me earlier in the week that Guro Wrighton is the best player on the Chelsea team uh, at the moment. Why do you think that? I mean, obviously, four assists helps your argument a little bit. <laughs> well, I, as you know, Matt, I'm a uh, disciple of the Gemma Davison era at Chelsea. And I would say very similar types of players, although Davison could like go beyond people a little bit more. I just think Goro Wrighton's class, lovely left foot, great balance, beautiful awareness. She's just got it basically. And obviously the goal scorers get their, their headlines, don't they? Rightly so, of course, because it's the toughest job uh, in the game. But I think Goro Wrighton's just a, just a brilliant player, just has a lovely way about her. And, um, yeah, no surprise that she's putting them on the plate for the strikers as she did last night. She is ridiculously consistent, right, Jesse? You know, even Kerr had that little spell where she was kind of struggling for goals. You know, other players struggle with injury, but Wrighton seems to be pretty much always there and always producing. Yeah, I think she assisted like our first four open play goals of the season. Like she's probably assisted like the vast majority of our open play goals so far, especially after last night. And she is, she's a very consistent player. And I think, you know, there was a point where it kind of looked like her Chelsea career was stuttering, you know, after she had a great first season, but then Emma Hayes kind of switched things up formation-wise. Penilla Harder had come in and, it, you know, it was all about Kerr, Kirby and Harder. It didn't really seem like there was a, a place for Wrighton until, you know, after the disastrous Champions League final, Hayes switches to a back three and kind of reinvents Wrighton as a wing-back. And now even with a, a four, she's she's back at left wing again. And I think that, you know, I think something that is always very clear about Emma Hayes and her players is that even though this is a very stacked squad, if you put the work in and you perform, you will find your way back into the team. And I think, you know, it's credit to Wrighton that she she did that. And, you know, she, she penned a new long-term deal at the start of this season. She's clearly very happy at the club. And, yeah, I mean... All of the all of Kerr, Harder and Kirby just absolutely thrive off off Wrighton's balls into the box. She is she's a magnificent player and and I think, you know, still pretty underrated, to be honest. Well, she might well be lining up for the Blues in their next match. That's in the WSL against Aston Villa at home. Two o'clock Sunday UK time uh, is when that one gets underway. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, Sam and I had the misfortune to try and talk up Chelsea's attempts to keep their UEFA Youth League campaign alive against RB Salzburg on Tuesday lunchtime. Final score, RB Salzburg 5, Chelsea 1. They're out, Sam. They haven't won a game. This was a poor defensive performance. This is not what we've come to expect from Chelsea in this competition, albeit they have struggled in it for the last couple of years, but this was particularly disappointing. They they got back to 1-1 and looked all right going forward for a bit, but defensive laps is really costly here. Yeah, it did. And I was thinking about it a bit yesterday. <laughs> Try and find a positive or a negative. The penalty decision to hand um, Salzburg the 2-1 the advantage, I think it was at that stage, was just one of these decisions that I just hate in football. Handball against Soonsup Bell, wasn't it? Yeah, Soonsup Bell just trying to close someone down, trying to block a shot from a yard away. And it, it, I think it grazed the arm. It might have hit him in the, the, the stomach first. And... The referee straight away, didn't even hesitate, gave the penalty. And it was when Chelsea were probably having their best spell. 
and obviously it goes to 2-1 and uh, subsequently they didn't defend well enough but I just thought that was a big moment and I just just hate that that rule that that's currently in the game and deciding so many matches um positives I suppose Mother Seal he got a goal I've enjoyed watching him every time I see him he's very versatile play, can play as a 10. We saw him more as a, a number nine the other day, can play wide. Gives you everything, gives you a threat beyond, but he's got lovely feet as well, good ability. Other than that, I mean, bizarrely, the goalkeeper did okay, didn't he? Max Merrick, who I've not seen a great deal of, but he made some some good saves. And for people that haven't seen it, Salzburg were just uh, the exact replica of their first team. You know, very dynamic in the front positions, got mobile forwards, a bit back to front. Very aggressive. There was a bit of a physical mismatch, which you don't see too often maybe at, at that level. But I thought set pieces, there was a big height advantage and that they were a strong side. Um, and they had a lad called Canate, got a really well taken um, three goals. So uh, their directness, their pace in attack was a big problem for, for Chelsea. But throughout the campaign, the defensive performances have not been good enough at all. And, and that's, where the, that's where the challenge has fallen away, unfortunately. Yeah, there is a, a slight caveat in that they were missing some players who would have featured in that game, but they were on England duty like the first choice goalkeeper, Ted Kerr. But anyway, a disappointing result and they are out. They've still got one game left to go against Zagreb next week. Uh, in terms of the academy games, like the first team, the Dev squad go to Brighton this weekend. They play in PL2 on Sunday, the under-18s away to West Brom. Uh, another news line announced Thursday morning as we record, Chelsea FC have appointed Joe Shields as co-director of recruitment and talent. Uh, they had announced on Wednesday that Lawrence Stewart will be joining the club in a new position as technical director to focus on football globally. Plenty more about that over on The Athletic. Head to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up and read about it. Okay, next today is the battle that we've all been waiting for in the quiz. So their surnames sound somewhat similar, but the closeness ends there as we begin what will likely be a bitter and storied rivalry. Parkin versus Parker Humphreys, part one. Right, it's based on Chelsea Brighton, this. There's not a massive pool of information for me to go on because they haven't played that much in recent years. Um, anyway, that's me getting my excuses in early. Sam, you're up first. Three questions each. This is your first one. Who scored Chelsea's first goal at the Amex Stadium? It came in 2018. What kind of question is that? It's a question about Brighton versus Chelsea, which is the fixture we've been previewing on the podcast. See you there then. Diego Costa. Jesse, do you want to steal it? William? Oh, close. I can picture the goal you're thinking of. It was uh, maybe even in the same game, but the answer was Edin Hazard. <sighs> I mean, you could just take a guess, can't you, from that kind of time pick Hazard? Anyway, Jesse, here's your first one. Who scored Chelsea's most recent goal at the Amex Stadium? Hakim Ziyech. It's absolutely correct. You are off the mark. It's 1-0. Sam, bit of pressure on you here. Uh, not sure you're going to like this one much. Which current Levante player came off the bench for Chelsea at the Amex in the 4-0 win in 2018 to make his third and final Premier League appearance for Chelsea? Levante player? Yeah. Um... We saw him a fair bit 
but not in the Chelsea first team. Can I have the question again? Sorry, Jesse. Which current Levante player came off the bench for Chelsea at the Amex in the 4-0 win in 2018 to make his third and final Premier League appearance for Chelsea? Got nothing. Got nothing. Uh, Charlie Masonda. Oh, that is absolutely stupendous. Charlie Masonda is correct. I was just expecting... Do you want to steal, Jesse? <laughs> Would you have got that, Jesse? No, but as soon as he said it, I was like, yes, he's at Levante now. I wouldn't have got that. That was a wild guess. Yeah, I mean, I, don't know, I think you needed it, to be honest, as well, um, given your next question. Here's yours, Jesse. Um, sorry. Back on New Year's Day in 2020... Brighton and Chelsea drew 1-1 at the Amex. Ali Reza Yahanbash got a late equaliser for the Seagulls. Please spell Yahanbash. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Um, J? Yep. A? Yep. K? Oh, unlucky. Um, Sam, do you want to steal it? Well, I've I've written it down phonetically, if that's the right commentator's yeah. terminology, quite a few times. J A H. Yep. A N. Yep. B A. Yep. H. Oh, K- so close. There's a K. Before the H S H, but that was a really good effort, Sam. You, I was going to be fuming if he got that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, you might get this one then, Sam. Based on that, this is your final question. It's currently A Z P I L. Chelsea's goal scorer on that New Year's Day in 2020 was Cesar Azpilicueta. Please spell Azpilicueta. That is actually no, the question. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> Do you want me Go to try it? it? Yeah. I mean, you are A-Z- there, so. <laughs> Yeah. A-Z-P-I. Yeah. L. Yeah. Oh, this is embarrassing. It's been a quarter. I. Yeah. C. Yeah. U. Yeah. E-T-A. He's done it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I would have had that one as well. We should be able to smell his name, surely. Yeah, I was kind <laughs> of leaning point. into the old trope that maybe footballers aren't that good at spelling, but um, you've embarrassed me. So that means, Jesse, that you need to get this and Lucy will be desperately working on a tiebreaker now, I'm sure. Um, this is your final question of the regulation quiz, Jesse. Between them, how many Premier League games have Levi Colwell and Billy Gilmore started for Brighton? Zero. Zero is absolutely correct. It's 2-2. We go to sudden death. The question is literally being typed into the Google Doc as we speak. You can't write drama like this. Well, Lucy's literally trying to write drama like this right now. Um, Okay. All right. She's she's leaning into her old favourites for uh, the tiebreakers, but fine. Uh, Nearest wins. How many Instagram followers does the Brighton official account have? Jesse, you can go first because you live near Brighton. Six. 
600,000. Sam? I really want the victory today, but I'm not going to do it by cheating. Either way, it's been a great game. Two million. Well, you ain't going to get the victory and you are an awful long way out. The actual number, Jesse, that was a really good guess. 629,000. Yes. Is the the spirit of Sussex led me to that answer. <laughs> How do you feel, Jesse? Is this your first win? Yeah, first win. I'm buzzing. <laughs> um, Sam, I think you we're all winners, really, because you actually guessed one of the questions and nearly I guessed one of the questions bash, so that should probably have got an extra point to be honest being able to guess the question and then get it right good spelling everybody good quizzing too uh, but jesse is the winner and that is just about where we're going to draw a line under today's pod but before we go this is where we usually preview chelsea content on the athletic well Raphael honigstein sat down with callum hudson adoy no less to talk about life in leverkusen and why the time was right to temporarily leave chelsea we can hear a clip of that now i said to myself that i wanted to go somewhere new and start fresh and just like restart everything and see how things will go wherever I went to and I think obviously when I said when the Leverkusen option came it was definitely one of my main ones that I wanted to definitely come and play football here I think at that present moment when I when we had the first game for Chelsea against Everton I was in the squad that for there was my mindset saying yeah I have to get out of here like not in a rude way or in a way where I don't want to be at the club or I don't like the club nothing like that it was a mindset of just I need to go and play football you know so my mindset was just let me get out, play my football somewhere else and try and do the best I can wherever I am. And then obviously at the end of the loan, go back to Chelsea. So it's one of those things you just got to deal with it how it comes at the time. And that's the same. That's how I dealt with it when the time came to come mm. here and play football. Do you have an explanation for yourself of why you haven't been able to kick on quite as much as you want to? Is it Was it the injury? Was it change of managers? No, I think it's one of those things where I think the injury was a major factor. To everything, I think having an injury like that is very difficult to overcome and just be yourself again. I think it doesn't matter how many years it is, it still will never be the same as how you was before. Do you know what I mean? So I think from then, I think even when I came back after like three months or four months after the injury, it still took me like another year to still even feel anywhere close to where I was, you know. So I think one of the injuries were definitely a major thing. And obviously sometimes different managers play in different positions and different stuff. So it's difficult to do what you can do best in the position that you're being like told to play or something new to um, try. So for me, it was always a thing where no matter where they play me, I'll give my best and do what I can. But at the same time, you've always got to understand that sometimes you've got to get the best out of yourself. You've got to be playing in where you can feel more comfortable and what you can do best. So yeah, I'll say definitely those two things. So you're saying you're not natural born uh, wingback? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. But no, that position, I played it a couple of times, like most of the time under Thomas Tuchel. And at times it was okay. It wasn't as bad as you wanted to play. But sometimes in my head, I was like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I in this position? I'm normally in the forward and in a higher position, but I'm more defending now than attacking. So it's one of those things where I do what I can to help the team. It's not always about myself. It's about the team as well. So... As I said, I was always willing to play there and help the team. Never argued or moaned about it, just done it and got on with it. So, yeah. Do you get any, any sense of how Chelsea as a club see you and see your future beyond, beyond this uh, loan deal? Is there no, sort of a dialogue going on? I don't know. To be fair, I couldn't even, I don't know the answer to that. I, um, 
it's difficult because when you go on loan somewhere, you always keep in contact with the club. Obviously, they have to keep in contact with you to see how you're doing and everything. But at the same time, you don't really know what's actually going on. So, you know what I mean? For myself, I'm just here right now playing the football, but I don't really focus on that stuff to do with that. I just let everybody behind who's working with the Chelsea people to let them deal with it and everything and sort it out for themselves. And then they obviously inform me about what's happening and stuff, but I don't really get into it and ask what's happening, what's going on. I just focus on what I'm doing here and what I can do and help the team. Yeah, well, one of the owners has been in touch now when, once you've left, or he's left a message, I think, Todd Bowley said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, we kept in contact, obviously, after but now before I left, and he was just like, make sure you go and do your thing over there. Be confident, be free, and just be the player that you you want to be. Like, be yourself, don't think of anything else. And it was good because you had that kind of motivation to hear that. And it's like, okay, let me come here and play what I can and just be myself. And that's what I hopefully I've been doing since I've been here. So... You just want to continue and keep going and hopefully, as I said, everything else will follow. And Chelsea could be a very unforgiving environment at the time, hmm. would that be fair to say, with Thomas in charge? Yeah, I think there's times where you look at it and you think why or what happened wrong, what's going wrong, but you you know, I would never badmouth him or say anything bad about him. He was always a good guy, a good man, like always on the pitch and off the pitch, he was both good. So I think it was just at times where it's difficult to know that, obviously, especially the team, there's so many great players as well, and you have to obviously fight for your position and work your hardest. So it was definitely difficult at times with him, but you just have to get on with it and do what you can, as I say. Yeah, well, I think the way to do it is try to just not give the coach an excuse to take exactly. you off, right? Exactly, that's it. Play you. That's it, that is it. Also on The Athletic, Liam and Mark Carey have teamed up to learn, if possible, exists. There's plenty of other good Chelsea stuff up on there too. Theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up for just a pound a month for your first six months. Um, Jesse, what are you up to this weekend? I'm off to Chelsea Aston Villa on Sunday. And then I'm going to get across London as quickly as possible from Kings Meadow to Meadow Park for Arsenal West Ham in the evening too. Oh, nice. WSL doubleheader. Uh, I quite like Villa this season. It might not be... I like Villa game. as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Rachel Daly, obviously, uh, their star signing, and she's she's been looking good. So, yeah, it could be a tough one. Hmm. We shall see. Sam, you will be plonked on a sofa for ITV, perhaps, or at a game involving a London club for the radio? That's my guess. Uh, I thought we were working together, so... <laughs> Clearly, you haven't got that memo. Maybe I'm not working with you, but I'm doing the Brighton game and I'm doing the aforementioned Aston Villa game. Oh, yeah. Now you mention it. Uh, I didn't get the memo, but I did get the email because it's 2022. We're not actually working together, (laughs) but we will both be covering the game. I Uh, definitely see you more than my girlfriend at the moment. (laughs) When I saw you you today, I thought, oh, we haven't had much interaction in the last 24 hours and felt a little bit sad. Uh, well, you know, it's a good job we like talking about football together so much, isn't it? Um, we will be doing so again, albeit maybe with a different lineup. I can't remember who's on on Monday, but either way, there'll be plenty for us to talk about. This is Chelsea. Stuff will happen. Uh, join us for that if you can. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic. <laughs>